Happy Friday afternoon to you. This is Rob Port on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Natil, how's it going? Good. It's a great day to be down in WDAY radio because nobody died while repelling down 10 stories of a building in Fargo. Well, I think I think that's good. We still that, have our entire radio team intact. Yeah. I mean, booking guest hosts is a pain, so... <laughs> I'm glad that's 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 a lot of fun. Um, I would not repel. I'm I'm happy to just donate money, right, to to get out of it. I would not repel. I would I would cry. It would be horrible. It oh, would be embarrassing. I, I would have been go- I would have been down that building so fast. I would I would awesome. I, I wouldn't be. I yeah no. I would cry. I oh, I don't no. know that I yeah. I, I want to do it. I want to do it. I think it'd be so cool. I would cry. I'd have like snot like running down my face and it just <laughs> sobs, ugly crying. That's yeah, that's so what horrible. You're saying I hate, is I hate if, heights. If we get you to do it, then we got to stick a GoPro on you. Or like general anest like just knock me out. <laughs> like just like like not even not not not, not, not even a bunch of drinks. Like I don't I don't think like like just a bunch of drinks and be drunk and do I I couldn't even do it then. I, you would have to just like knock me out and then lower me down on a stretcher, which would probably defeat the whole purpose and probably yeah <sighs> i couldn't do it so kudos to them and uh sounds like they raised some money for a good cause too which is wonderful so that's good that's all to the good uh coming up on the show we are going to be talking with molly olson she is the chairman of the board of directors for leading women for shared parenting they have a report out i wrote about it at sayanythingblog.com today uh they have a report out about custody situations in North Dakota. Obviously, shared parenting is a debate that's been going on in North Dakota for some time now. Uh, we've had multiple ballot measures, uh, multiple efforts in, in the legislature, and they went out basically to study outcomes in custody cases in North Dakota. And what they found is is pretty interesting. Um, for one thing, there is a trend towards shared parenting in North Dakota, even though uh, shared parenting advocates haven't necessarily gotten all the reforms that they want. Uh, there has been a trend towards more joint custody outcomes in in case, particularly in, in stipulated divorce cases, which is basically where the two couples come together and, and just kind of agree on what they're going to do, as opposed to, you know, contested where you kind of go to war and then the court issues an order. Um, so that that's a good thing. But they also found that there's a lot of disparities depending on where you are in the state and, and the likelihood that, that the outcome of your case is going to be like joint custody versus single parent custody. Uh, so a lot of interesting information. That whole report is at sayanythingblog.com. If you want to check it out, it's uh, it's long, but it's lots of graphs, lots of information. Uh, if you're interested in the topic, it's worth reading. And we'll be talking with Molly coming up here uh, at the bottom of the hour. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about right now, though, there was a headline. John Hageman had an article, and I'm reading this out of the Grand Forks Herald, uh, had an article, Public Health Officials Assess Cuts to North Dakota Tobacco Prevention Programs. Now, Natil, you'll remember that during the legislative session earlier this year, legislators essentially got rid of Breathe ND. Just, it's gone now. Uh, and then what they did is they folded a lot of the, you know, that responsibility, those efforts into the Department of Health. But overall there's going to be a funding cut in what is dedicated to tobacco cessation programs. Uh, last year, the, you know, the, the health department budget uh, funding for anti-tobacco efforts in the current biennium stands at $13.6 million. Uh, that's down from the $22.3 million that was the combined Breathe ND and health department's uh, budgets 
for the biennium that just ended June 30, the, the 2015-2017 biennium. So down, you know, a little less than $10 million. Um you know, although some of that's going to be mitigated, we had a lot of duplication going on where we had, you know, personnel at Breathe ND and personnel in the health department. Some of that duplication is gone, so that mitigates some of it. But, you know, funding is down. But I'm I'm still I'm still astounded, Natil, at the amount of money we're we're spending on tobacco cessation programs. Because even even with this cut, I mean, last biennium we spent between Breathe ND and the Department of Health, we spent twenty two point three million dollars. And, and I know whenever we talk about, you know, state budget and, and government programs and everything, it's it's a million this and a million that and everything. And I, I think sometimes people's eyes glaze over and, and, and they stop maybe understanding what those numbers mean. But $22.3 million in a state with, you know, around 700,000 people in it for a two-year cycle on nothing other than pestering people about tobacco use. That's it. $22 million on that and and to me it, it is just and and now okay so so we go through and, and and the legislature gets rid of breathe nd and good riddance their ad campaigns were obnoxious but we get rid of them and we're still going to get some ads it's going to be less but we get rid of that and so now we're down to 13.6 and and the only thing that i'm thinking because everybody's like oh we're, you know we're gonna have to tighten the budget belt belt and you know that's that's all hegeman's article is 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 these bureaucrats and other people say, oh, we're going to have to tighten the belt. We're going to have to do this, uh, and, and, you know, everything else. And I'm thinking $13.6 million is still too much money to be spending on this. I mean, remember, tobacco is a legal product. It's not illegal, if, if, as long as you're of age, it is not illegal to buy tobacco. It is not illegal to use tobacco. As long as, you know, it's some places. I mean, I guess we have time and place restrictions, but $13.6 million still in, in, in a state where we just came about through a budget cycle where we're scrimping and saving for every dollar, $13.6 million is still a huge amount of money. And we don't have better places to spend that. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we're struggling with like an opioid epidemic, right? We've got drug overdoses. We're trying to find more treatment. We're trying to reform our prisons. There are a lot of places where we could have used $13.6 million that I think would have done a lot more to help people to generate good outcomes, to affect good public policy. That's a heck of a lot better than spending that money on tobacco cessation programs. $13.6 million on tobacco cessation programs. It's ridiculous amount of money. But I want to know what you think. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Are we spending enough? Do you think we're spending too much? What do you think? Karen, you're on. What's up? Well, it's not the tobacco cessation programs that bother me. It's other things that can uh, go too far. For example, I don't think they should raise the cigarette age from 18 to 21. You don't think or you do think? I do not think. Yeah, I agree. Um, there, um, people should be able to decide themselves not to smoke by the time they're 18 and over. Um, I think that there's this attitude that we can pick on cigarette use as much as we want with no limit, and it does go too far. 
Well, thanks for the call, Karen. I, I, I think a lot of it is there's all these millions of dollars out there because we have this big, you know, lawsuit with the tobacco companies. There's all sorts of money around. And I think there's been a sort of cottage industry that's like the ad industry, even even frankly, the media. And it's just it's just cropped up around this where we're just paying bureaucrats six six figure. Kyle uh, asked, I wonder how much some of the higher ups of these programs are making. That's a good question. There's so much money around in the anti-tobacco thing. Uh, you know, it's it's. I, I think they just want to keep it going, almost as like an employment program. It's. Not, I'm, I'm not even really sure it's about tobacco anymore. I think it's an employment program. That's what I think. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You never move me. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. We're talking about the the legislature got rid of Breathe ND. That was North Dakota's anti-tobacco agency. It was ridiculous that this thing even existed to begin with. Lawmakers got rid of the agency, folded uh, all of the, consolidated all of the anti-tobacco efforts under the Department of Health, and they got a budget cut. They went from 22.3 million uh, combined Breathe ND and Department of Health down to 13.6 million. A, I say good. B, I say let's take the rest of that money, almost all of it, and dedicate it to something a little bit more productive than harassing people about tobacco use. Because you know what? Everybody knows tobacco is bad for you. It's a simple message. If you smoke, if you use tobacco, you're putting your health at risk. You should probably stop. Beyond that, you're an adult. If you want to do it, it's legal. More power to you. But there are risks. You should be aware of it. And that's it. Just leave it at that. Let's focus that money on something else. By the way, this is from John Hageman's article, and I want to get to John here in just a moment. John Hageman's article on this today says, I quote, The reduction in tobacco-related funding in North Dakota reflects a nationwide trend. A report from the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids said states spent $717.2 717.2 million on anti-tobacco programs in fiscal year 2008, but that fell to 491.6 million in fiscal year 2017. The report said North Dakota was one of only two states to spend at CDC recommended levels. I'm thinking, what do the rest of these other states know that we don't? I think they got their priorities in order. We're spending too much on this stuff. John, you're up. So, Rob, you know, it's one of those rare occasions where you and I are really agreeing wholeheartedly. On something, right. and we may still di- di- disagree on, you know, the fundamentals of sorting it out. But you know, it's a classic example of what happens when you have government bureaucracies that are allowed to just go unchecked. At a certain point, when you pull the rug out from underneath them out of necessity, all of a sudden you hear the squawking. You, you, you know, when you show that the trend is down to begin with, that's all self-explanatory. They should have been cutting their budget accordingly as time went on but the problem is is that once you establish a, a bureaucracy it's hard to just put the brakes on it because well, any, everybody's yeah, any, jobs oh and, i gotta justify my job so i'm gonna right. run more ads saying oh now i need to i need to focus on a new angle on this to, to, to justify my job in the government part of and, and it's i mean not not every not every but but when it, you're right whenever you create government bureaucracies like this at least part of the mission, if not the entire mission, becomes self-preservation. How do we protect our budget? How do we protect our jobs? Um, and I, I think, I think really, I mean, that's all Breathe ND was doing was just how do we? We're, we're a bunch of anti-tobacco activists, right? We're, we're we're the we're the modern temperance movement. We're the modern prohibitionists, except it's just tobacco instead of alcohol. 
uh, and and we're out here and, and we're getting paid by the taxpayers. How do we protect that? That's really all it was. It was political activism embedded in state government. Now, I get it. I don't like tobacco use. I don't like being around tobacco. I don't use tobacco. Um, I don't want my kids to use tobacco. I don't want my loved ones to use tobacco because you know what? It's bad for you. But these are these are personal choices we're making. I don't need the government to harass me about it. I don't need the government to harass anybody else about it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I hear people crying in their in their Cheerios because the state went from, you know, over 22 million down to 13.6 million in funding for anti-tobacco activism. And I think, you know what, 13.6 million still way, way, way too much. Well, and it's like a lot of things in government, Rob, you know, when it, when you talk about wasteful spending, you know, if it's the taxpayer's money, well, then the sky's the limit. It is, is part of the problem with this country. You know, as long as the taxpayer, we can figure out a way to tax it. We can figure out a way to extract it from the people, to, to, to fund it and keep it going. Hey, that's great. If you have to run a program based on the merits of raising your own funds off the street, then you find out how difficult it is and how hard of a choice you have to make as to which ox to gore. And, and then there's a simple fact that we're talking about adults here, right? I mean, if I mean, to the extent that I agree with any anti-tobacco advocacy at all, I agree with with when, when we're focused on kids. You know, don't don't start it up. It's illegal. Don't do it. But you know what? Leave the adults alone. If you're a grown up, if you're over 18 and you want to smoke, you know, that's your choice. You're allowed to make that choice because you're an adult. So, uh, John, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. I, I, have a, I have an objection. I have, I have just a fundamental objection to the government being in the anti-tobacco business to begin with. It's a legal product, right? I mean, the government allows the, the people who make the laws, the government, allows it to be grown, allows it to be sold, allows it to be smoked. And, even, and, and, and by the way, taxes it and ties important programs to those tax revenues, all while simultaneously dedicating millions of dollars to getting people to try to quit doing it. It's counterproductive. The government shouldn't be in the business of telling us how to live our lives. That's my two cents anyway. We're going to talk about shared parenting coming up next. Molly Olson, chairman of the board for Leading Women for Shared Parenting. they got a new report at, out. You can read it at sayanythingblog.com. I'll be right back. You're listening to 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. September corn. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. For years now, North Dakota has been having a debate about shared parenting, and it's consisted of multiple ballot measures, multiple debates, and multiple uh, sessions of the legislature. Um, it's been an ongoing thing and, and the needle is moving. I, I, I think, I think that is one big takeaway out of a report, uh, released, uh, recently. And I, I wrote about it, this anything blog.com, uh, from a group called leading women for shared parenting. Um, the, the report ha- has a lot of information in it, but, but one takeaway is that we are moving towards joint custody. The number of joint custody situations coming out of North Dakota courts or, or divorces in North Dakota is on the rise. Uh, and I think that's that's to the good. But, uh, you know, the, the problem is, is it's it's not on the rise when the court is issuing an order. That's one thing that this study found. It looked at 
uh, outcomes in, in in custody cases across the state over, over a number of years. Um, when when the court steps in and issues an order, uh, the number of, of joint custody situations arriving for, for, from that process is is declining. And, and also, we have some very different outcomes when we look across the state. Uh, you know, we, we we break the state down by by judicial district. And you're looking at a situation where, where some judicial districts, it's, it's you know, you, you're seeing a trend towards joint custody. In others, you're seeing a trend away from it. And I, I think that maybe speaks to, to some inconsistency in the process. Anyway, here, here to talk to us about this report and everything is Molly Olson. Uh, she's from Minnesota. She is the chairman of the board of directors for Leading Women for Shared Parenting. Molly, thanks for your time today. I'm very happy to be with you. Thank you so much for um, allowing me the opportunity to share this information with your audience today. Absolutely. Well, t- well t- tell us about this report. I guess I introduced it a little bit, but what was what was the motive here? What was what was the goal, and and, and what did you guys find? Well, the yes, you did a very good job of explaining it, Rob. We were we were very curious about what was really going on in North Dakota because there's been so much opposition of shared parenting. North Dakota has tried for uh, over well over a decade to try to get a rebuttable presumption of joint physical custody and equal shared parenting, which would be um, a, a presumption of parental equality in the law, and it's been resisted by primarily the Bar Association and everybody the, across the country, the, the Bar Associations often say, oh, we don't know what the data says. We don't know what the real story is. So leading, leading women for shared parenting decided, okay, we're going to find out what the real story is in North Dakota. We're going to do our own research because in North Dakota and across the country, it's a real problem that the courts do not track this information. So organizations like ours are required to gather information and dig deep. This has been done in North Dakota, but it's also previously been been done in Minnesota, where I'm from, and also Nebraska and some other states as well. And the the information is consistent across the country and what we of what we found in North Dakota as well. We looked at data, raw data from the courts from January 2011 to mid-June of 2017 and analyzed the data in an 85-page report. And your listeners need to know that that 85 five-page report, a 17-page summary, and the raw data are all available on the LW4SP.org website, so people can look at this for themselves. We want to share this far and wide, because um, there's probably about, you know, there's so many points we could cover, but yeah. there's well, three main points. Okay, um, yeah, let's, let's get into that. This. Okay, let's get into the points. Um, the first point is, first of all, the whole judicial system, the whole court system, is based on a foundation that requires an equal equal justice for everybody, right? Well, what we found in North Dakota is, number one, there is an unequal system of justice in North Dakota because, for example, when we analyze the top counties, the top seven counties in, or uh, eight counties in, in North Dakota, we found that the swing is from, as far as from 28% chance of getting joint custody in one judicial district versus like 60%, almost 60% in another county. So it, it, there is not equal justice in this, in, within the state, county by county, 
for sure. And we would expect that in North Dakota that there it would be the most democratic the demographics would be most similar in counties in North Dakota than any other state in the country. Right. And it is true that the demographics were almost exactly the same in the counties. Yeah. So let's. I mean, let's. Yeah. Let's. Let's. Noted. Let's stop there for a moment because. You know, North Dakota is a very homogenous state, right? I mean, we're we're pretty racially homogenous. We're pretty economically homogenous. You know, across the state, North Dakota tends to be pretty much the same. I mean, there's there's obviously obviously we have the the Native American reservations, which are obviously their own sort of thing, but generally speaking, we're we're a pretty homogenous state. So when you start seeing some of these big disparities, and I wrote about it at sayanythingblog.com, and I got a link to the reports and and the the, the full report, which is I mean it's it's eighty five pages, but it's it's not as intimidating as it sounds it's 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 a good read lots of graphs lots of good information but i mean when you start looking you know first i thought it was very interesting by judicial district you know because you see these disparities and outcomes from district to district and the only thing i can think of the only real variable there is from each judicial district you've got different judges which to me says some judges are embracing this others are not and that doesn't speak to me to, to a very equitable system Absolutely not. Um, when the judges have free reign to do whatever they think in whatever situation based on, based on anything they want, not based on the research, this is problematic because the, the research, the peer-reviewed research has shown for more than a decade but has been just demonstrated um, and multiplied in the last five years to show that the best outcomes are uh, for children are when they have as close to equal time as possible with both parents. But then in North Dakota, when you look at, for example, two side-by-side counties, Stark County and Morton County, where the demographics are exactly the same, or almost exactly, couldn't get any closer, as a matter of fact, that there is has been in the last, um, since 2011 until 2017, one of the counties has had a dramatic increase in um, sole custody and parenting time to the mom, uh, or majority wife custody and parenting time, um, and the other county is dramatically the opposite. It has gone down. Um, so... I mean, that is, and they're only nine miles apart, and you're getting, like, polar opposite trends in decisions in the last six years. That's 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 pretty interesting. I, I mean, it's because, again, what we're told is that the, the system's generally fair and everybody's trying to, to, to you know, do what's in, in the best interest of the child, and I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, clearly... Given the you know the different outcomes and, and and again I mean any any one case is its own you know unique animal I mean not not all of these cases are the same but when you start zooming in and you start looking at hundreds of cases thousands of cases over the course of years and you see some very clear trends pop out that that's that, that's an issue now I I want to talk about because I I think there is a positive in this report for people who who want to promote and, and want to see shared parenting uh, who who support shared parenting. There is a positive trend here. I mean, there are some inklings of some positive trends, and if you look at the timeline, is tied to some of the shared parenting uh, advocacy that has been going on. I mean, there is some positives here that we are, in some ways, moving closer towards a sort of shared parenting type situation. Is that right? 
Yes, we find that when judges are educated, when lawyers are educated, when child um, custody evaluators are educated, and when the people are educated, they are moving towards shared parenting. The problem is those that are either ignoring the research, refusing to, to use the research, and just continuing in the status quo. That's where the problems are. But yes, Fargo, for example, the trend is going up and has been going up since 2011 when all this research started exploding. When you say that the trend, the trend the is going up, the trend, the trend for what, Molly? The initiative occurred in your state, so the education Molly. makes a difference, and the, the political pressure makes a difference. The trend, the trend is going for the trend for what in Cass County? The trend for single parent parenting. Um, for shared parenting. Oh, for shared parenting. Up. Okay, yeah. good. That's good. Uh, Dean, a caller. Dean's got a question. Go ahead, Dean. Hi. It seems like when it comes to shared parenting, uh, when I talk to people about it, it seems like people are really confused with what it means. Like, do you think like it's really beneficial to like educate the public like to like great movies like The Red Pill that shows like uh, uh, problems of a divorce and a lot of other men's issues that are featured in the film like. Like films like that or like other ones that seems like would go a long way in educating people with a, with a lot of problems. Yeah, well, I, th- I think Dean's question is, is you know, I... I, I think a lot of people still, even though I, I think I think the advocacy in North Dakota is having an impact, is making a difference. I think Dean's point is, I think there are still a lot of people. When you say shared parenting, they don't understand what it means. They don't entirely understand what it means. What what efforts are being done out there? I mean, do you have some examples of movies or films or documentaries or websites or articles or whatever that people could follow to learn more about this? Well, everybody should be aware of the documentary Divorce Corp for sure. And your caller uh, mentioned The Red Pill, which is a very, very excellent movie demonstrating how the biases against men and against fathers are so embedded that when the truth and the reality gets out, um, then people are much more empathetic to the to the whole situation and, and the cause that has been so ignored for so long. But the real issue is that shared parenting is best for children, and um, the former head of the family law section of the North Dakota Bar said and stated that judges are ignorant of shared parenting as the alternative, and the standard arrangements of every other weekend is what they use. So getting them to be to be educated on the importance of of equal time. It's all about as close to equal time as is logistically possible for those children. For fit, healthy parents is what's sure. best for children. I think. And I think. I think maybe in piece that that the law community has been refusing to hear and abide by. Uh, Molly, I, I appreciate your time, and, and, and speaking to the judges specifically, we elect judges in this state, so it might be time maybe with some of these judicial elections, a lot of times they don't get a lot of attention, but if you care about this shared parenting issue, you might want to get involved in some of those local elections, question the candidates, try to understand what's going on. Molly, I thank you for your time. appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Rob. That's Molly Olson. She's from Leading Women for Shared Parenting. I got a link to their website and all the information up at sayanythingblog.com if you want to check that out. We're going to wrap up the show right after this. You're listening to The Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. This would be the Rob Porter who is thankful he didn't have to rappel down a building. I support the cause. I think it's a great cause and everything, but man, I wouldn't do that. And I, I'd want to be really, I'd want to be, I'd want a background check. I'd want to understand who's, who's doing the lines. Oh, they who's, had, tying, who's tying me off? They had a very, they had a professional company that came in and did this. They've done it on much taller buildings. Uh, and all right, a lot of all right. But I'm, I'm, what, what I'm telling you, Natil, is I'm a polarizing guy, and I guess the two fell, you know, McFeely and oh, Thomas see. are uh, are that way too. But I'm a polarizing fella. I want to make sure we don't have any accidents. Well, Jay and McFeely are both kind of on opposite sides of the aisle, and they both made it down without any injury. Right. So well, that's good. They must be a pretty neutral. Uh, I guess tying team or maybe not just decline to stage the accident of people whose politics they don't like. Uh, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I would cry like a baby. So we don't have to worry about it. Not that anybody was worried about whether or not I'm going to do it. Alrighty. Uh, let's see. I, 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 this, this study on shared parenting is really, really interesting. And I, I would encourage people. This has been a, a long simmering issue in North Dakota. It's, it's going to be with us for a while. This study, obviously, it's, it's coming from a group that obviously has a point of view on this. But you know what? Nobody else has done this. Nobody else has taken this look. And I think it's worth more people looking into it. Uh, you know, so I, I would welcome more study on this. You know, we should have lots of study about this. But, you know, this is where we're at. And this is some information. These are some data points uh, that are worth that, that, that are worth talking about. You, you know what's interesting about this? Um, I... This surprised me. Um, most divorce cases, like in, in 2016, there were over a thousand custody cases in the state of North Dakota. And most of them, 842, were settled by stipulation, which, which basically means the two parties just agree. Now, now I'm sure maybe there was plenty of wrangling between their lawyers and everything, but that, that surprised me. It was 118. Uh, that were, I, I guess it was unknown how they were settled, and uh, 139 that were settled by the court. So I, I thought that was interesting. Lots of fascinating information, lots of surprising information uh, about this. And this is, I mean, this is such a tricky area of public policy because you're asking, you know, a divorce is not, I mean, it's people aren't necessarily at their best during a divorce to begin with. I mean, it's a stressful, very difficult situation to begin with. And then you add in the fact that you're talking about children, which, you know, is is also emotionally fraught. Uh, and then you're asking them to get along and, and to work together. And that could be hard. That's a that's a hard ask for people. And, you know, so I, I get that this is a tough area of public policy, but I, I do think that we could be doing it better. I, I really do. Uh, and also we talked about the uh, tobacco situation thing. And um, I, I don't know. What do you think about this? Am I right? I mean, do, do you think we're spending? I, I don't think we ought to be spending hardly any money on this at all. This, this to me seems like a waste of time. I think that we are probably spending too much currently. But yeah. if what we but I don't know that we need to cut it as much as as much as I think you would probably like yeah. what I would what I would like to see is for that money to be spent uh, more smartly. Yeah. In in specifically in ways that are helping adults who want to quit actually quit. Yeah. I, See, I, would, I think I think that's the thing is 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 set it like 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 make you know make the resources available to help people who want to quit. Exactly. Right? Like like, you, like once once they make the decision, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. Then help them. Like, exactly. Like help you, them you find talk, the resources or whatever. You talk about it being like not not just you specifically, but it's it's presented to the public as a tobacco cessation program. 
And if you're not putting the majority of the funds into helping people, you know, go Wait, through the cessation so process, then you know what? You know where they were spending most of their money on ads. Exactly, and that's, that's and that not and, and I don't I don't know. I mean, that's that's what makes me think it's it's less it's less a public health program than an employment program. Exactly. Right? So gonna... so if what if what we want is a public health program that helps people stop smoking when they've decided that that's what they want to do, then what we need to do is put those dollars into that particular resource pool and give these people the resources they need, the help they need to get through what they got to get through. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's I, I think I think we could do that. I think we could spend a lot of money, a lot less money. And I'm not saying get rid of it entirely. I'm still in favor of maybe spending some money. I'm just not sure. Even at over $13 million a biennium, uh, that's too much in my mind. We have better uses for those dollars. Jay Thomas Show coming up straight ahead. You can always catch me here Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Power party up next door,